Right, I think it's time for uh, for Sam to uh, to continue our preaching series from Elijah and Elisha, the troublemakers. I love stories from Elijah and Elisha. They're such powerful stories and so much to learn and so much like depth. And, and I'm really looking forward to, to hearing from Sam. And I think Sam has got such a, a down to earth, practical way of, of explaining to us the biblical truths and, and what we can learn from, from it in our life. So I'm really looking forward to hearing from Sam. Well, good morning. It's great to be together. I'm really looking forward to being able to spend the next uh, few minutes exploring the next part of our story of the life of Elijah and Elisha. And uh, we're going to be finishing off the book of 1 Kings today, uh, the final passage that we're going to look at together in this book. And uh, next week, Rachel's going to pick up the story again as we go into 2 Kings uh, to take this a bit further. But we have, I think, quite a tricky job on our hands today. We have uh, fairly challenging verses, a difficult story to look at together in 1 Kings chapter 21. Uh, you might be familiar with it, it's called Naboth's Vineyard. Uh, at first hand it doesn't look like much of a, for us to cultivate out of this uh, story but I believe that there are many many gems in here that we get to learn about who God is and uh, also how he relates to his people and uh, lots of things for us to rejoice in, uh, lots of us things for us to learn, learn about and seek to grow in uh, and so I'd love to explore uh, a few of these with us together today. It's quite a lengthy passage, so I'm not going to read the whole chapter to us, but just try to summarise the story a little bit so you've got an idea. But I would love for you to encourage you to, to read this at your own time. 1 Kings chapter 21, Naboth's Vineyard. Basically, the story is this. King Ahab of Samaria, uh, we've met him before. He's, a, he's an evil king uh, who has selfish desires. And uh, he approaches Naboth, who owns a vineyard, uh, in Jezreel and uh, King Ahab says look your vineyard is really close to my palace and I think it would make a really great vegetable garden and so I would love for you to give me your vineyard and in return I will give you another vineyard or I will pay you whatever the vineyard is worth. Seems a reasonable request at first but uh, but uh, Ahab has uh, missed something that's going on here and uh, in fact Naboth, Naboth says no 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 I can't do that um, I'm not going to sell you this the Lord forbid it in fact he says the Lord forbid that I would sell you this uh, this is uh, the inheritance of my ancestors anyway then Ahab goes away and he sulks and he's sullen the Bible talks about how he refused to eat he got cross uh, and then his wife comes along and says, well, what are you doing? You're the king of Israel. Why are you acting in this way? And she comes up with this plan where she writes a letter in his name where, uh, with his stamp, you know, basically calling uh, for the, the city to come together and to uh, fast together. And uh, she says to the elders and the nobles, she said, uh, I want you to invite Naboth and uh, put two scoundrels in front of him. Uh, two men of disrepute and uh, uh, get them to accuse him of uh, blasphemy towards God and, uh, and things about the king and then when they've accused him of that take him out of the city and stone him to death and so that's exactly what happens in the story uh, and, uh, and then she goes to her husband to Ahab and she says look Naboth's dead go and take possession of your vineyard now clearly God 
sees this happen and, uh, and responds. And uh, his response is to send Elijah. And he says, word to Elijah. And he says, go to Ahab. Uh, and he has a really stern message for him. It's really quite unpleasant. But he basically says, where, you know, where Naboth died, you're, you're going to die as well. And, uh, you know, quite a gruesome uh, picture around that. And also uh, about his wife, Jezebel, uh, casting judgment on them. Uh, what's quite interesting is the way that uh, Elijah sees them uh, or sees Ahab when he's in the vineyard. He's taken possession of it. I think that's always interesting. That he, God says, go to him and he's in the vineyard now. Um, but then what, what happens, and I think, you know, quite remarkably, but God... Uh, God forgives Ahab. He forgives Ahab. And uh, it's something that would be good to, for us to look at together uh, as to why that happened and what that tells us about God uh, in this chapter. But that's really the potted version. I would love for you to read the story properly for yourselves. 1 Kings chapter 21. But let me just pray together as we seek to understand or draw out some stuff from this story. Father, we do thank you so much for your word. We thank you that your word uh, is for us to grow and to, to give us life. And so, Father, I want to pray that today as we seek to understand these verses more, as we understand uh, this story a little more, Father, I want to pray that you'd help us to grow in uh, the likeness of your son. Uh, would you help us to understand more of your character and, uh, and give us more to praise you about through these words, we pray in your precious name. Amen. Wonderful. Well, there's a number of ways in which we can look at this story together. There's a, a number of wonderful themes that emerge uh, from it. We could look at the fact that God is a God of justice. That's a clear theme that runs through this story. The uh, rich and powerful king who bulldozes his way into the life of, the, uh, of Naboth and, and snatches uh, away from him the, the, the only thing that he possesses. Well, I mean, what a, what a story of injustice. And we see the way that God steps in, the way that he loves justice, that that's a theme that runs through the Bible. We could talk about that. We could see that quite clearly on display. And we could talk about the obvious sin that is in the life of Ahab, this this terrible, terrible greed that is so clearly uh, on, <laughs> so clearly obvious that you know it's, it's almost laughable. This story that you know I just really, really want your vineyard, and I want to grow my carrots there. That I'm going to go home and get sulk and, and not eat and be really angry. I mean, you're the, you're the king of Israel. You can have what you like. No, but I want that. And uh, you know, we, we could look at that. We could look at the the sin in the life of Jezebel, the way in which she's. You know, listen to the fact that, that Nabal said, no, 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 this, would, this, is, you know, this is about God. And she said, well, no, 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 forget that. I, I, I will get you that vineyard. I will get you that vineyard. Forget what anybody else says. Forget what, forget what Naboth wants. Forget what it might have to do with God. No, no, I will get you your vineyard. Complete disregard for everybody. There's, like, there's such obvious sin on display. And yet, I think when we read these verses and we see the way that, we, that God responds... Uh, I think, you know, we kind of understand this a little bit. But then we see that God outrageously gives uh, mercy to, to Ahab, that he is merciful towards him. We think, gosh, what, where has this second chance come from? Where, where is, what is this about? We, we understand a little bit more about God's character maybe in this. We perhaps feel a bit more confident when we look at other stories elsewhere in, 
in this series where we see that others have been afforded a second chance. Maybe we would like to think of that in our own life, and yet we look at the life of Ahab and we say, gosh, you know, how has, how has God done that? You know, the Bible itself describes him as a wicked and evil king, and yet God is a God who brings mercy in this situation. And as part of that, we could look at the whole subject of repentance. Uh, there's this wonderful bit, I really love it, in, in verse 28, right at the end of the chapter, uh, God says to Elijah, he says, have you noticed how Ahab has humbled himself before me? I think that's just a beautiful picture of the way in which God has been kind of watching this whole story unfold, the, uh, the fact that Elijah has gone and, and cast this judgment on his behalf to, uh, to Ahab. And then it's just beautiful, isn't it? The way that God says, you know, Elijah, have you, have you noticed that he's walking differently? Have you noticed that he's living differently? Have you noticed the humility, the, the change in his heart? That's, there's a wonderful lesson there about repentance, isn't there? The Bible calls us to keep short accounts and to, to repent before God, to, to, to turn away, flee from sin. And, uh, and that's beautiful. I love that. The way that God is just kind of watching around and says to Elijah, you know, have you seen that? Have you seen that change? Have you seen the way that his life looks different? He's walking different. He's living different. That's true repentance. So there's some big themes in this story, and, and maybe one or one of those you might think, gosh, you know, I'd love to think a little bit more about that. Well, why don't you read this story again through that lens, and you can talk about this in your life group as well, pick up some different subjects, feel free. But what I would really love to do with us in the final moments that we have together today is to look at uh, these verses in light of the gospel. I just want to pick out uh, what I think is a really beautiful, vivid image of the gospel. Uh, that is portrayed in this and to uh, there's one particular theme that I just really feel quite strongly about and so I'd love to share with us. Uh, I, I believe that um, this story of Naboth uh, mirrors something of the good news of Jesus, the, the story in which Jesus won salvation for us and uh, there's a couple of bits in here that I just think are, are, are quite fascinating that I'd love just to draw out. Firstly uh, in verse 3, uh, Naboth um, his kind of reply to Ahab uh, I think is quite an interesting one. So uh, to fully understand what's going on in this story we have to understand this reply. Verse 3, Naboth replied, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my ancestors. Now what's interesting about this is I think Ahab has offered Naboth something that is reasonable. I think that uh, him offering to pay for his vineyard an appropriate price, not a price that's undercutting, uh, but a reasonable price uh, seems okay. Or he's offered to find him another patch of uh, vineyard somewhere else where he can still be, uh, you know, farming his grapes, making his wine, whatever it is he was doing with, uh, with his vineyard. You know, that's still possible. He can just do it somewhere else. But Ahab particularly wants this uh, plot. But we see in verse 3, through Naboth's reply, that there's something much bigger going on uh, in this rebuttal. In fact, Naboth is pushing back at the fact uh, uh, that what Ahab is asking for is not just as simple as a plot of land. It's not just a, a preference thing. You know, Naboth isn't thinking, oh, I've got particularly juicy grapes from this uh, vineyard and I want to, I'd rather stay here this is my preference or you know I've got some lovely family memories in this little plot so I'm going to keep it if you don't mind now what he's saying here is that there's that this is his inheritance from God 
This is something that God has promised to him. This is something that God has given to him. And he's not willing to part with it. He's not willing to, to, to give it up. You know, that, that would be against God's law. Uh, so right uh, at the, the start of um, when God has given his people land, he's, he's uh, allowed each of them to have a stake in that land. He doesn't want to get to the point where, you know, people are... Uh, you know the rich and powerful are kind of owning vast areas of land and there's some people that don't own anything no he's given he's given people a section of land and an inheritance that they can pass down through their ancestors a, a kind of stake in the ground of what God has given his people and uh, uh, you know it's a, it's a wonderful image again of uh, of the character of God but uh, in, in this particular story Nabos unwilling to, to part with that that will be against God's law and uh, he pushes back in this way. And I, I guess there's similarities that I feel uh, as we see that Naboth is unwilling to part with what God has given him, uh, the promises that he has for him, or part from what God has spoken through his word. And then we see uh, many, many years later in the life of Jesus, when Jesus is uh, walking in the wilderness, the, the Bible says about how Jesus was led to the wilderness. We can read that in uh, various gospels, but... Uh, Jesus is tempted by Satan in uh, three particular ways. Uh, examples are like when uh, Jesus is uh, uh, sent to, to look across kingdoms and kingdoms, and it says about how Satan offered to, to give him these kingdoms. You know, here's, a, here's an easy solution, Jesus. No pain, no going through the suffering that you're going to have to go through. If you were just to, to worship me, then this would all be yours. Uh, or he takes him to the top of a uh, of a mountain says if you just jump off God will catch you surely you know that God cares for you that much and she said no 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 you know God has said this God has said don't put the don't put me to, te to the test you know it, it is written this it is written down this and I, I guess this story has just reminded me a bit of that uh, the way in which both Naboth and Jesus are just so clearly set on what God has said and the rebuttal is this God has said, God has given this, God, this is my inheritance. And, and friends, I, I guess as I was uh, preparing for this morning, I kind of felt really quite stirred in this area for us uh, to consider this ourselves, to consider the, what I think is often subtle ways in which we can detract our gaze away from what it is God has given to us, what God has promised to us, what God has made us through his son and uh, the promise that we have in him that we can so easily be distracted by uh, other offers floating around other other suggestions other things that are on display that are quite subtle in their appearance they're they're not particularly over i mean if i had kind of you know give me that and i'll give you this you know rusty bucket we'd all go well that's not a fair deal but no he didn't there's there's a subtlety in the way in which uh, this works that we can be distracted away or tempted away from what it is God's called us to and I think particularly in this season that we've been living in where uh, we've been out of uh, like physical community where we've been out of uh, maybe being able to enjoy some of the things that we've been able to enjoy and we've uh, perhaps not uh, lived in the way um, that we, we're used to through our, our Christian walk and, uh, and with the encouragement of brothers and sisters around us. I really felt quite strongly on this, that, that 
God would encourage us through the story of Naboth to be firm in what he has given us, to be firm in what he has promised, to be firm in, in who he has made us, the, the inheritance that he has for us, and not to allow our attention to be uh, given away to other things. There's subtle things that we can do or say to ourselves. There's subtle ways in which we can excuse ourselves. You know, I can be involved in that and it not matter. I can make that decision there and it not detract me away from this. I can... I can maybe be involved in that. That seems a reasonable thing to do. But knowing full well that actually what God has called us to is something much bigger, something much better, something much higher. So I'd just love to encourage us in that, really, to, to be firm in who God has called us to be, the promises that he has for us. And then as the story unfolds, I think we see more of the mirroring of the story of Jesus. And Naboth, it says, he was falsely accused like the Lord Jesus was falsely accused and uh, then taken out of the city and murdered. And uh, we see that too in, in, in Jesus, the way in which uh, false accusations were brought against him and that he was sent to the cross uh, for crimes he, he did not commit and uh, out, out of the city. You know, there's, there's this wonderful mirroring of what we see in the gospel. And then I'm reminded uh, of what Jesus has done for us through his death. The Bible uh, talks very clearly in 1 Peter, for example, it says 1 Peter 1 uh, verse 3, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade that is kept in heaven for you. What a beautiful verse that reminds us that, that through what Jesus has done, this mirroring of the, the story of Naboth's vineyard. In, through what he has done in his death and his resurrection, he has secured for us our inheritance. He has secured that patch of land, that stake in the ground that can no longer uh, perish, it can no longer fade. The, all, the, all of the wrong in our life has been paid for by what he has achieved on the cross. I think it's beautiful, this this wonderful image, this, this, this image where somebody has tried to snatch away the inheritance of Naboth. Somebody has tried to, to draw it away from, his, uh, from him in, in a complete act of injustice. And, yet, and then he's been falsely accused and murdered. And then we see in the life of Jesus that the one in whom uh, our inheritance is found, the way in which he has, uh, through his mercy, he has chosen to go to the cross, to to, on the cross, deal with all of our wrongdoing, to deal with everything uh, that has separated us from God the Father. And in doing so, he has won for us an inheritance that cannot fade, cannot perish, cannot spoil through his victory on the cross. That, that we have a stake in the ground. We have, we have land. <laughs> we, have, uh, we have an inheritance through what he has won for us. Uh, what a beautiful image that we can be reminded of in this story. So friends, I guess as we land, as we finish this time together, there's a few ways in which we can respond. I would love for us to respond in worship as we celebrate afresh what Jesus has done for us. Uh, this is just a shadow, uh, just a, a story that, that points us towards the, the main event, that Jesus has won a, a victory over sin and death uh, through his uh, death and resurrection. And what a wonderful saviour that we have and we want to pour our worship and adoration out to him. But I would love for us too to not 
miss the moment, not miss the opportunity from these verses to be reminded and, and maybe convicted a little bit afresh uh, as we as we see that you know the stark sin in the life of Ahab, the the way in which you know it's so obvious and on display, and yet I think you know when I, he is not the only person who experienced greed. He's not the only person who's experienced feeling you know that sense of anger or uh, frustration towards God when he's not got his own way. You know he's not the only person to be in that boat. You know I experienced those things too, or maybe too. Uh, you're, uh, you're thinking when I talked about uh, the subtle persuasion, the subtle offer uh, that is on display uh, to us, the, the, the maybe the offer of, of being involved in certain conversations in the work environment, uh, and you know that uh, when, you, when you buy into that, you're, you're detracting away from what it is you're called to be. Maybe it's the, uh, the offer of something much more subtle where you think, you know what, I've just... I just feel like I've um, I've moved away from what it is God's called me to be. This this promise of of, of who He has, this wonderful inheritance that He has for me, and I, I, maybe my attention has been more on towards what the what the world has to offer. Well, today, why don't you turn back to Him? What a wonderful example that we see too of 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 God seeing repentance, seeing a. Uh, you know, a wayward, wayward king, and but noticing, you know, Elijah, have you seen what he's done? Have you seen that he's walking differently? Have you seen uh, that, that he looks differently? What? There is a number of exciting things that we can see from this story, and we've done a whistle-stop tour, but friends, I want to just really encourage us. If any of those areas you feel uh, particularly uh, for you this morning to grow in, uh, then let's not let this moment pass. Let's uh, spend some time now worshipping our wonderful Saviour for his uh, uh, such uh, astounding grace towards us uh, and uh, for his wonderful victory on the cross that has won for us an inheritance that no one can snatch away, that no one can, can uh, take from us that will ni- neither fade or spoil, that is stored in heaven for us through what he has won. What a wonderful Saviour. Thank you so much, Sam, for um, for doing that. Thank you, Father, that we've started off this morning knowing that you wanted to meet with us this morning. And you have met with us, Lord. Thank you that, Lord, through everything, Lord, the contributions, the songs that preach, Father, you have been drawing us in, saying, look, look up, look at me, look at, look at what I've done through Jesus in the cross and look at the fact that you are now a new creation, the old has gone, the new has come. And we want to keep hold of that this week, Lord, with everything else that's happening around us in the week, Father, we want to celebrate that the old has gone and the new has come. We are a new creation. Father, thank you that when we celebrate that, Lord, when we worship you and celebrate this amazing truth that darkness does not have any power over us anymore. And help us to do that, Lord. Help us to lift our eyes and to celebrate and worship this week, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't we have a kind God? He's amazing, isn't he? It's just amazing to, to meet like this and to know that God wants to meet with us. Well, we've come to the end of our of our meeting. Um, yeah, get if you if you haven't received a live news yet, make sure you uh, you get it. Go on the website and make sure you receive live live news. A wonderful opportunity to to uh, just just uh, get up to date with what God is is doing and get up to date with what we're doing as a church. And uh, we'll see you all back next week.
See you later.